Hello, this is Samuel Hansen. You are listening to Combinations and Permutations, episode 14. On this week's episode, we talk about cubic beds, Nathan's love sack, groups of monsters, and the truth about boiled dinners, Wilfred Dale, the robot. Here it goes. Hello and welcome to Combinations and Permutations, the math podcast that is coming to you from CDC Building 7's mailroom. After a week hiatus, uh, simply because we could not get enough people together, we're approaching up on finals week. Finals week for us is next week, and so everybody's been quite busy. We are back to you with an episode uh, that has been requested of us, or at least suggested to us by a listener, Matt B., and it is going to be on group theory. Now, before we actually start talking about group theory, I have to introduce who is with us, and it's two returning guests. Uh, I would not call them all-stars per se, but they came really close in the fan voting. First up is Anthony Solari, uh, still the man who has no superpowers. No, but Chris was talking about how he's starting to develop his superpowers, so maybe we'll talk about his later. <laughs> well, just... maybe maybe we will, but Chris is not here with us today, and instead of Chris, not instead of Chris, that's saying that I would, actually Chris, I would. Chris is but... replacement. Yeah, I I was just thinking. I mean, I would you know prefer Chris, but I, I guess it is. Yeah. I guess we can take whatever Chris combinations and permutations. Whipping boy, <laughs> Nathan Rowe. Whipping boy. Yeah, you're the one that Bad we always bitch. whip and make fun of. And, oh, oh. Or at least oh. I specifically. Okay, well maybe you're a little you, bitch. You, you take our punishment <laughs> for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everybody else's. I obviously receive no punishment. I am simply the doler out of. Uh, that makes sense. Sure. Okay. okay, so today, as I mentioned earlier on, we're going to be talking about group theory. Now, of course, we need, before we can actually talk about anything, we need a definition of what it is. And so we're going to go back to the Wikipedia and also to the fact that we've all studied groups at some point in our <laughs> academic careers. And group theory is, oddly enough, the study of the algebraic structure known as a group. No way. Yeah, that's... No way. I really thought it was about fields until I looked it up. <laughs> and and so, of fields course... Fields are almost groups. There's more <laughs> no, they're, they're, they're not almost every, every groups. Groups are almost things. fields. No. you got to go groups in that direction. close. Fields okay. have so much more... Yeah, but you have on. to go... Mm. Fields are higher up on the complexity chain. Yo, yeah. no, well, well, so you have to move in that direction. A field direction. is a group, but not that, the other way around. Yeah, a field is a group. I think that more restrictions actually kind of takes away from the complexity. The complexity of groups is amazing. The well, the complexity of, of the is... definition. Oh, okay. All right, the complexity of the definition. But the more structure you've added, the less complicated these things actually end up becoming. No, why would that be, though? A field is is very simple compared to a group. 
groups can have some weird-ass things going on. I mean, Fields got to be a billion. Yeah, Fields have to be a billion in everything. Everything about them has to be a billion. Yeah, but the thing Um, is, a lot of times... of talking about one operation with the use of another operation. So so you've got this... You just got a lot more structure to prove things with. Yeah, I mean, I, I do... I can understand that, but still, when I think of a group, a group to me is a much simpler thing than a field. Oh, yeah. But really, before mm. we get into this and arguing the semantics of complexity and easy and hardness, which is things that we'll probably never finish talking about if we start, let's actually define what a group is. Now, a group is a set with an operation. And that's... Think multiplication. Or addition. Addition is, I think, but the one, easiest way. Yeah, but group, addition you usually think of as, um, as a billion. Well, yeah, but I mean, just is, I mean, just an operation, a binary operation okay, just, yeah, a on binary two elements operation. in the set. Things, you use this operation on the two things, and out comes a third thing. A third, a third and thing. now, in order for it to be a group, it has to satisfy a few things, such as closure, or in other words, you multiply two things. Things it has to still be in the group. Yeah, yeah. it still it still has to yeah. be there. So, so first of all, the groups mm-hmm. the groups are acting on a on a set of elements or something. So, so um, the, sometimes we'll say the group referring to the set of elements in the group, and sometimes we'll say whatever. But um, well, and then of course there also an, is the identity. Yeah, every group needs an identity element. So, so, so in addition, it would if you think in integers, addition it would be zero. Yeah, if you in add multiplication, zero to anything you get back, it's the same thing. Yeah, on, and on, it has to be on either side too. So yeah, and that's hard to explain. in multiplication, it's one. Yeah, if you multiply by one, yeah, you get yourself basically back. your binary operation with your identity gives you back whatever you start off with. Yeah, yeah. and it also has to be invertible. Yeah, every element has an inverse. Yeah, it means you can multiply the element times its inverse, and you get the identity. There has to be something like that in the group. Yeah, and then finally, it has to have associativity. If you're operating on three elements it shouldn't matter if you operate on the first two elements first and then the third one and then the third or the the second and third element and then the first plus the second and third it basically means you don't have to keep track of parentheses yeah um Mm -hmm. you know you if you have a plus b plus c you know it doesn't matter if you put the parentheses around the a and the b or around the B and the C, and then a big one on the outside of A, and the whole thing. I don't know. It just doesn't matter. You can drop parentheses completely. Yeah, and that's specifically true in groups since there is only one operation. Right. When there's multiplication, parentheses come back in. I mean, if there's two operations, then yeah, as soon you as have you have two operations, but once you have two operations, you're also no longer in a group. Right. So well, I mean, you, well, you could pull you could pull a group structure. out of it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the usually if you think two operations, you're thinking ring. Yeah. Mm. And one good thing to note about groups is they generally aren't commutative, which means A, B is not the same thing as B, A in Ex- most cases. Except for my favorite area of groups and the groups that I actually happen to work with. And also, I think the easiest area of groups for people to understand that is the integer groups. Oh, oh modular yeah. groups, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Mo- the integer groups. groups and, and also just like, you know, the things that most people have. Uh, familiarity with yeah the, in, the integers themselves with addition mm-hmm. uh, the real numbers with multiplication or something like that you know yeah. those those all are abelian yeah and uh by the way anyone who's not up on uh, their abstract algebra abelian does refer to commutative 
it, if you a, have B two elements, if you operate A B, it equals the operation B A. Yes. And yep. and I, I just feel that that might be an important little addendum on yeah. to some people uh, who are not yeah necessarily as far uh, into it as say either of you two are. As I said, I do but some work. I do some work with groups. I specifically work with integer groups. Uh, integer groups modulo some number. And this this uh, very it's a very important set of groups. They're incredibly useful, especially in applied areas of group theory. It's what gives us clocks. Yeah, it is. Uh, the clocks are Z12 and Z60 and Z60. Yeah, Z12. You, what oh, operation? For the hour, I was thinking. Yeah, I was confused. Yeah, for Z12, a Z12, Z60, Z, or it could be Z24, Z60. Yeah. Uh, because 24 when, hours in a day, 60 minutes in an hour. Yeah. Or you know two 12-hour sets in a yeah. single day. And by uh, Z12, I mean it's the uh, group of integers from 0 to 11. Right, Mod and it's right. they're closed under addition modulo 12. Right, so you just look at the remainders if you divide by 12 yes. every time you do the operation. So, so 7 yeah. plus 7 is 14, but its remainder when you divide by 12 is 2. So 7 plus 7 actually equals 2 yeah. in this ring. Yeah. Right, in that uh, I mean, group. In this, I, group. We're talking group, group theory. Group, group. What, what group. kind sorry, of numbscale are you, ring? I, it's you know, also a ring. But we're... <laughs> actually, 12 is not a field. 12 um, is Z just a ring. 12... Yeah, it's... Yeah, yeah, zero yeah. divisors. Yeah. yeah. 3 and 4. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> oh, God. Well, there's there's also some other very uh, interesting uh, interesting groups, and one that I think most people will actually be very familiar with, even though they've never. I, I mean, a lot of people, the majority of people in the world, some ninety nine percent of people in the world have probably never studied any group theory formally, but still, everybody knows symmetric groups. Symmetric yeah. groups are something that y you naturally understand because you like it, people like symmetry. Mm. Just as a, as as a human being, you appreciate symmetry. You see things and you really like symmetrical things, and you like being able to fold things directly in half or to the corners and everything like that. And that's yeah. uh, symmetry groups are groups that specifically I don't know somebody else uh, can go a little bit farther with that but they they deal with the relations between right. symmetries yeah, yeah between. they yeah they talk they make they make um like reflections and rotations turn into operations in a sense but then it's a group on operations and how operations act on each other which is very so if you're thinking like d4 or something like that that's the set of all symmetries on a square you know if you rotate a square 90 degrees it looks exactly the same right and then yeah Right. And so you yeah, you can flip and... you can flip it so that yeah, you can flip it upside down, you can you can um yeah, you can rotate by 90 degrees. You can also flip along the yeah, diagonal. You can flip along yeah. diagonal. You can yeah, you can rotate by 270. A rotation by 180 is different than a flip uh as yeah. well. Yes. Um so well, Yeah, cuz you have the same side up on so, yeah. the square. Right. Well, Okay. And uh, while we're talking, you, you just label the corners. You don't label the sides. Yeah. Well, you I label sides and do it that way too. You get an equivalent. You get group. a different symmetry. I think. Well, they don't. They they wouldn't match up element for element, but you would still get D four uh, if you look at sides. No, because I think now only rotations are symmetries. Flipping is no longer a symmetry because the front side's not the same thing as the That's back side. That's true. Yeah, he actually does have a point on on us there. 
So you don't you just want to label the corners. You don't want to yep. label the sides. Otherwise, yeah, because you if you flip it up, then you'll have a completely different number, and it'll yeah, it would probably be still some group. It would still be a group but of some sort. Yeah, you're looking just at a, a different group. Yeah, completely different group. One that actually I could see being isomorphic to the symmetry group, um, but it wouldn't. I think you're only going to have four elements in. Well, it it would depend. At it would depend symmetry. on how you. Uh, you can still do rotations. You can do it's just along diagonals. No, flipping is not the same anymore because now it's not a symmetry. You know, the front side being up is not the same thing as the front side being down. I, I was I was labeling, I was labeling edges of a of a square. Oh, well, that's is, different is than I the meant. faces. I yeah, was I saying was la don't. labeling edges of a square. I don't know why sides sides and edges are the same thing. Okay. Yeah. I meant faces. faces. Oh yeah, I was faces I was talking cube faces. or something. Yeah. Something approaching that, but there is uh, for those people who I uh, think that we're just talking about uh, we're you know running around a thought experiment world again. We're actually not. Uh, there's there's been a book that was written about symmetry groups that has definite real world uh, applications, and that would be uh, Brian Hayes's book. I heard a very good interview with Brian Hayes on the Marketplace of Ideas with Colin Marshall, and he was talking about his book group uh he was talking about his group book group theory in the bedroom and other mathematical diversions now that's not quite as much fun as it sounds like it is i mean because we've already talked <laughs> math in the bedroom with ladies. with anthony uh talking about how john nash can get us all laid oh which, very important mathematical theorem. Which, by the way, is is not true. <laughs> he got a Nobel Prize. Well, he did get a Nobel, Nobel Prize, Prize for that. He, got, he, he may have gotten a Nobel Prize. But I have tried to apply those things. Doesn't work. Doesn't. Well, maybe the problem was the women didn't want anybody in the group. Oh. <laughs> and that's why it didn't work for you. <laughs> you got to assume fair. they wanted everybody yeah, equally. Yeah, fair and enough. And equally in a positive sense. Not oh, <laughs> Oh man, that was, that I, was, was I was I wasn't there, but you would have to make that <laughs> assumption. <laughs> and what he was actually talking about was trying to find a way that you can flip a bed, and so that you can carry out the same the same flip or turn or a combination of the two every single every single time, and get through every different way that the bed could be laying, which is. Say we say we do label the faces, and we label the the head and the foot of the bed and each face. Mm -hmm. So you have uh, face one with the the head of the bed up originally and the foot of the bed down. Now, you also are going to want that with the foot of the bed up top, top or the head of the bed down with face one up, and, and then, then both of those ways up. with face two up. Right. And so he was trying to figure out if there is a way of using essentially group theory operations in order to do it so that he would always be able to do the same flip every time so he wouldn't have to remember what he had done last time. Right, so, so, you, can, so you can hit all yeah. four positions without having to memorize anything. Yeah, and so you could, uh, other you could, than the one other than so yeah, this the is one a, move. A made without memory experiment. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, because how you you flip your bed what like every three four months something like that yeah, it is a while to remember yeah and so you're never going to remember exactly what you did last time you'd have mm -hmm. to keep a diary a bed flipping diary. yeah bed there flipping we, diary that'd be go. that'd be that's the awful. most interesting diary of all time <laughs> i know 
And so <laughs> I I went and I, I immediately talked to Nathan about this. And that's be, me. Yes, that is you. And for once, I'm not going to say anything disparaging about your uh, horrible, miserable existence. We will whip him, though. <laughs> oh, Nathan, the whipping boy. Uh, and and because what Brian Hayes found is that there isn't, that there is no such operation, no such move that he can make. And so I mentioned this to Nathan, and immediately we decide that, well, why? We want we want to know why. And so uh, what did we find that the that the bed flipping was isomorphic to? Well, it's isomorphic to to D two, which is Z two cross Z two. Yeah, Z two cross um, Z two. So it is abelian in this case. <laughs> but yeah, it would have to be a cyclic group. Everything yeah, it would, it would have to be cyclic, power. and Z two cross Z two is not not, not cyclic. cyclic. But um, so so basically, what it comes down to is is any any flip you any way you decide to flip the bed over and over and over and over and over, you still you still at best will hit two of the four possible uh, rotations. Yeah, so you would need two moves. Yeah, so you'd have to alternate between between two different flips of some sort to, to get to get something that hits all four but then you'd have to remember which one you did last anyway so you can't do it without memory now what if we switch this to a square bed if it's a square bed you get d uh four, four. you yeah. get d4 and so yeah. then then you still will have to have two different things you, nope. you can hit four different positions and that's the simple the simple way of just rotating it by 90 degrees if you never flip the bed at all, that's the best you can actually do. Um, so you rotate the bed by 90 degrees so that your left side is now where your head used to be or whatever. Um, and that one will hit four of the eight possibilities. Okay. So the best we're ever really going to do on this is half. Yeah, you, yeah you'll hit it's... half because it'll always be D something. Um, the, the what if it was a cubic group. bed? A, cu- a bed that was Let's a cube. see, and we're rotating a cube. Oh, wow, I, I haven't thought about this. I wonder, yeah, if, I wonder yeah. if we can do this. Let's, uh, see. let's see. I think it's going to be D3. You it, think? I would think. it be D3? Well, I, let me just think about this for a second. If your, your bed cushion yeah, yeah, is your actually bed, your, cubic. Yeah, so <laughs> so it's a square bed, but it's... Everything is the exact same length. It would be soft as hell. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or really hard. Can you imagine the spring structure inside of that? Because you'd have to have we're assuming equal cushion on all of See, them. I was just imagining a big pile of bricks with a bedspread on top. <laughs> uh, I was picturing. I was picturing oh no! You like, could have um, a, essentially a box inside, they and make... then springs coming off from every one. Except it wouldn't be a proper cube in my mind. It's actually a cube with mattresses on each face. Oh, oh. which they, they, which would which, still which work. Still works. Yes, you're right. But it would there, be the same a, group. They do make cubic love sacks. You know the massive lugs that, that, that come out that come out of the cube, and so that thing can can do this rotation. I'm very sorry that uh, your have you uh, ever sat your, one of those? They are comfortable. I am I am very very sorry that your <laughs> organs happen to be the wrong shape. Yeah, really. But that it is no reason to bring it up on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it, we, you're yeah. talking about bean bag. It's, it's a cubic yeah, it's, bean it's bag. A bean bag so, so I mean, it is soft on every side. Okay, well, uh, um, I mean, so it's it's exactly what we're talking. Yeah, about. it's exactly what we're talking about. And with a beanbag, you constantly need to flip yeah, it. So it's a very applicable. It. This is that is true. Yeah. Okay, so let's try to figure okay. out. Okay, so so, so you have a cube, and you can so you clearly have... hit four of the six edges. Oh, you can 
really easily hit four of the six edges just by doing a simple. Yeah, just uh, dun, 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 so dun. it is not. No, not D four. It can't. Yeah, be, it's, it's yeah. It could be D six, maybe. Let's see. Uh, if you do, you can flip it. Okay, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take a little break. Pause time. <laughs> and we, don't want we will come back we lift, we to all of you with an answer to this question. Okay, so we are now back and we have an answer. You can't do it. It, it just yeah. it doesn't work. The you best we can do is... close. Yeah, I mean, because there's 24 different orientations of a cube bed. And we can only get four of them. No matter what we do, yeah, you can get from to, any one generator. Yeah, from any from any right. single yeah, cyclic thing. thing. Right, right. Um, one one easy way to see that it can't be done at getting all twenty four is is you can you can tell exactly what orientation the bed is in based solely on which spaces are facing which way. That tells you the rotation in every. Well, actually, you only you only need the left, the top, and the right. Well, right, right, but but um, but you can look at only the faces and how the faces are moved around. And you only need left, top, and right? Yep, that's it. Uh, this is all yeah. four. That defines all four. You can, I mean, the, the so, structure of a cube's kind of fixed. Yeah. Right, right, right. But but um, how can you represent an element of order four in that? Because we found elements oh, of order four. No, well, any one of those is an element of order four. I haven't defined an operation on those elements. Oh, well, that was just an encoding um, of an element. Okay, well, any anyway, but... But uh, you can very easily define operations that are subsets of what's called S six. Um, so, so, which is what? Uh, which is which is the possible. permutation group on six elements. So if you have six elements and you're rearranging them, it, it gives you it gives you a group with six factorial elements. But this one's just a subgroup of it. All right. So it takes pieces of it and and other pieces are left out. Um, and and the largest element, uh, the largest order of an element in S in S uh, six is six. Um, it takes a little bit of work to see that actually, because um, it's not always the truth. The truth that the largest element of S n is n. It's, yeah. It's usually much larger actually, uh, but. Um, um, <laughs> what the hell was I saying? I, I don't. I don't know. But in this, I, in this, in this one, so you actually can only find an element of order four. Yeah. Uh, and so, so, and since there's 24 elements, I mean, there's 24 elements of our subset, and the largest element, the largest order is four. You don't get. I mean, you don't need yeah. to get you don't close. Get, you yeah, know? and but and so you don't get one of twenty-four, so you can't. Yeah. Do it. yeah, yeah. So let's uh, let's go off a little bit uh, off of what we've been talking about, which is an actual thing that isn't really that important. <laughs> It'd be nice. Oh yeah, it would be nice. And let's talk a little bit about the. I mean, just the history of uh, groups. Uh, the uh, number theory side of groups uh, was originally done by Euler. Uh, who's a person who hopefully we'll be talking about sometime soon because he's very interesting. And then uh, Gauss did work with the modular arithmetic uh, oh, okay. related to quadratic yeah, like fields. And, yeah, Gauss. That. Everything ends up talking about Gauss, Gauss at some point. And then a person that we've actually talked about quite often on the podcast is Galois. And he was uh, the person who actually coined the term group. Now, we've talked about his history before, so we don't need to go mm -hmm. on to his work with the Republican Guard or uh, going to jail or, you know, getting in duels and Duel. dying at 21. 
Instead, uh, we'll talk a little bit about what his working groups have done. And specifically, he was the first person to employ the use of groups to, de- to determine the solvability of polynomial equations. Just, In particular, polynomial degree or of uh, degree five. Yeah, and he was the first one to show that there is no general solution. solution. Yeah, using radicals um, with prime. Using, I mean, using radical notation. There, there are other there are other methods that can solve fifth, fifth degree polynomials, the arbitrary fifth degree polynomial, but radicals can't. Yeah, oh, and that's basically means that you can't do it using classical geometry. You can't yeah. do it with classical geometry either. Yeah. yeah, well, that's where the radicals come in. Yeah, groups oh. in classical geometry are very closely tied together. It's a lot of the early research in group theory had to do with the tying yeah. of classical geometry and group theory together. But you can solve the arbitrary fifth-degree polynomial using a ruler and a compass. You can't do it with a straightedge and a compass, but there's a distinction. Oh yeah, straight edge you can't tell a distance between Yeah, ruler points, ruler right? gives ruler you distance. You and and so and so because of this you can do you can do a little thing that that somehow solves um the arbitrary fifth degree polynomial and some seventh degree polynomials that are that are uh, uh minimal or whatever. Yeah, but I mean it's going to give you answers that you're still probably going to be well, approximating you, so you can, a bit you if you want to write the them point, down. You can construct the point by intersecting the loci of, of circles <laughs> and things like that. Um, but it doesn't tell you what the decimal is. But neither do, neither do radicals. Radicals don't tell you, like, I mean, then, it's an it's a irrational point. So, But then again, if you were to look at a ruler, you'd never see the square root of 2 on it. Right, right. Um, I don't know what type of rulers you've years? been using. I uh, my rulers actually have square root of two inches. Oh, it's yeah, a it's marked on it. Square root of three, square root of five. Yeah, but <laughs> you're not actually using the ruler property of the ruler. You're using you're using this other weird thing. The metric property of the ruler. Yeah, the metric property of a ruler. So you don't actually have to find the square root of two. You d- use the ruler to draw a line, um, that that ends up being very complicated and intersects with degree five um and so so you you calculate the the actual intersection of the polynomial uh in in a really cool way but mm. I, I so so you draw out what the root looks like without figuring out anything about what the numbers look like then if you want to estimate it you take a ruler and, <laughs> and look for your square root of two and in use, there. use its ruler <laughs> property rather than its metric property <laughs> And see how close it is. <laughs> uh, one of the, the nearest uh, millimeter or something. One of the more interesting about uh, things about uh, about the work that's been done in group theory is that uh, we've, as as a group, mathematicians have classified all of the finite, finite oh, yeah, simple yeah. groups. Right. And uh, a simple well, group by, is by cyclic, cyclic, or alternating, uh, or in one of the 16th family of Lie groups, which include the tits group, by the way. Nice. Just or like one name, of I the guess. 26 sporadic groups. Okay. Right. Now, earlier today, Nathan was telling me a little bit about sporadic groups. It was 26? Groups. 26. I got it right. Mm, 26 that. sporadic groups. And you were telling me a little bit about them, if you'd uh, be able or be willing right. to talk about them again it's 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 a really weird thing all right the, every single group that you can write down every, well simple group which is kind of the building block yeah so simple groups, group is a group g that does not have any normal, normal subgroups, subgroups except for the subgroup it, consisting only of the related, identity and it's related to 
primeness in integers. You know, like like every every um, yeah, prime numbers are only divisible by do? themselves or one. Right. So prime numbers are kind of the build. They take they take the uh, the semi direct product. Okay, semi direct uh, from yeah. from. Yeah, normal, so it's a semi direct product of its yeah normal group. Um, but uh, okay, they, they all simple groups break down into one of one of three infinite classes or twenty six random ones that can't be categorized. Or the uh, sixteen Lie group types. Or the but the, the I'm calling the Lie group types all just Lie groups. Okay. Um, and they're they're one of so so either either your group has a prime number of elements like 17 or yeah. 59. Um, and in that case, it's abelian, and it's it's really simple. It's, it's, it's Z. It's, it's Z-N. Z-N, right, or Z-P for yeah. prime. Um, or you're an alternating group, which is um, the set of even elements of a symmetric group, which yeah. is which I, I'm not going to explain what that means, but it's, it's very related to symmetric groups, which we've been talking about most of today. Um, or you're a Lie group. I have no idea what Lie groups are. They're they're more complicated they, than these other. They're really really geometric properties. Yeah, they're really really annoying to work with. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> there are infinitely yeah. many. I I did work with Lie groups, and yeah. I don't want to go back to that. <laughs> okay. There are there are infinitely many of the prime groups. There are infinitely many of the alternating groups, and there are infinitely many of these Lie groups that are all simple. Um, and then there are 26 other random ones. One of them is like the lord of all random ones uh he's called the monster group uh it's it's, it's massive not I, its full name by the way it has it has a larger name than that it had like what? 10 to the 600 some odd it, it has 60 elements. digits worth of elements or something like yeah. eight times 10 to the 53rd okay 53 digits uh, of, el 15, of elements 15 orders of 10 off um, <laughs> and this one this one group contains all but six of the other sporadic groups within itself. So, so um, it has as subgroups most of the other freak groups. Um, it's missing six of them, and those six, six. are called. I, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember that one. I don't know. It's but they're uh, related to each other. The so Fisher, the Fisher Grease Monster Group, uh -huh. is the full name monster, of the monster, monster group. Yeah, but so. So, um, so there's 20 elements, 20, 20 types of groups that are associated with this monster group, and then the other six are related to each other in another way. But it's just very strange. Like, how the hell does do 26 groups pop out? With there's so much structure, and exactly 26 it, freak it, ones show up <laughs> that aren't categorized into one of these three. Easy yeah, but to define see, categories. you would figure that that all of them would be <laughs> be you know subsets Weird. of the monster group. Instead, instead it's twenty one. So there's five that are really weird. Oh, is it twenty one that are subsets? Or no, it'd be twenty. Yeah, because there's twenty six total, five or six that aren't. Yeah. So, yeah, so there's, no, no. Then there'd be nineteen. There's nineteen that are subgroups. Yeah. But subgroups. itself makes twenty. Twenty. Yeah. So twenty of the twenty six are included. With yeah. The so monster. there's six that just kind of chill out over um, there. Well, or you could, I mean. <laughs> There's six that kind of chill out over there, but there's also twenty that kind of chill out over there. Yeah, but but it, wouldn't it just make six. wouldn't it be a little bit more uh, beautiful mathematically if it was just all twenty six chilling out together, or, like all that you couldn't couldn't put into the other one. Or if they didn't exist or, at all, or you know? well, they either were all part of infinite classes, or didn't exist, or didn't relate to one another. Period. But I mean, this is this because there's a lack true. of symmetry in this. This is also true. A similar thing happens with uh, semi-regular polyhedrons. Um, 
the 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 strict definition of a semi-regular polyhedron is it has two side two face types um and you you have a simple pattern that like it's it has to be a cut anyway there are there are uh two like, infinite class square thing yeah there are two infinite classes of semi-regular polyhedra and then there are six or seven other weird ones that just that just are like the or 13 or something like that 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 don't fit into these two infinite classes uh, and so it's like like how does that it's just the weirdest structure ever it's so cool yeah well math can sometimes be weird and uh on that note we are going to we're going to call it an episode uh thank you all very much for listening and i do have a very special addendum to the end of this podcast it has to do with our friends over at boiled dinner fantastic comedy podcast i thoroughly suggest that you go listen to it and boys wilford dale the robot rules so much better than chet friendly or jesse very sorry wilford dale you're fucking awesome and keep it up thank you very much and i hope you have a great week well that's it for another episode of combinations and permutations if you want to get a hold of us please email us at combinations and permutations at gmail.com also check out our blog at combinations and permutations.blogspot.com this episode has been licensed under a creative commons attribution share alike license all the music that you've heard on this podcast is from sp12 if you like what you hear, go check them out at opsound.org. Thank you for listening.